Hi everybody, it's uh, Friday again, and that's uh, the Phoenix MMA and Fitness Podcast. Um, just uh, got a coffee and some Alpha Brain, so I had a good idea. Started texting, actually uh, texted a highlight video to a student that got me thinking about this, and I was uh, gonna go ahead and give some context to it, and uh, and I'll describe or I'll put that link of the highlight in this too, or you can YouTube it and look it up. Um, it'll be some good studying for you if you want to. Um, uh, if you wanna, if you want some uh, some tape to start studying, um, I'll put a link to it. I'm gonna do a future podcast on how to study tape, how to watch uh, matches and tournaments and highlights and things like that. Um, so there is a skill to doing it. There is a, a specific way that you watch tape that'll help you. Um, and if you do that, uh, it'll make it more enjoyable, more interesting. But uh, I'll do that on a future episode on how to watch and how to study tape. Um, this one is going to be um, just a little information, uh, a couple different concepts, but also we're going hi- to we're going to try to get a couple concepts across by going over somebody's career, um, going over reflecting on somebody's career, and and now and this one's going to be Brazilian Jiu Jitsu based, but this would be good for everybody to listen to, uh, you know, wrestlers, Muay Thai, whatever. Um, if you know if you're thinking about MMA and you're going to need to add Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to your game, this is a, a good person. Every every sport every martial art has these um michael jordan-esque characters or you know whatever pick anybody that's just supremely great tom brady michael phelps usain bolt um all these different uh athletes um there was a book i read when i was maybe 16 or 17 it's called the martial way i believe i think that's the name it's more of a traditional martial arts um kind of philosophy and strategy and training book so um but i read it when i was really young and there was one quote in it that really stuck in with me um and it said that i believe the quote if i remember it correctly is there are no superior martial arts only superior martial artists um now i don't know if i completely 100 percent agree with it because what i actually think about martial arts is that within a single martial art there are multiple styles and those styles similar to a simple way to think of it, you can think of rock, paper, scissors, um, and those styles have abilities to beat another style within the same martial art, the same system. Um, so it's more complex, but it's like a, uh, a more complex rock, paper, scissor um, with different things, um, styles. And then outside of that, so you, you zoom out a little bit further after that, even on the outside of the martial arts styles, there's still paper, rock, scissors between the different martial arts with each other. Like this is a good time to apply this one. This is a good time to apply this one, and this is a good time to apply this one. And if you want to be a complete martial artist, a mixed martial artist, um, you need to understand the, that they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses too. Um, and one of the issues is that um, someone can, if you want to be a mixed martial artist, this is something that you just have to realize. If you get too entrenched, um, entrenched in one particular martial art, and there's always going to be one that is your true love, your number one love, but you have to give respect to all the other martial arts. If you don't give respect to it, that will be your downfall and that'll be your weakness and that'll pick you off. And this happens all the time. It happens with, I've seen it, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is my main my main level of expertise, I see it in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, and and everybody saw it publicly. You know, early Gracies that had good success, um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. Uh, many of them chose not to work on their striking and their wrestling and different aspects of of their games. Um, and and uh, eventually, as people, everybody else respected Jiu-Jitsu. Everybody else started learning it. When everybody else started learning it, um, then you know they closed that that skill, that knowledge gap, technique gap. Um, but they had their other other abilities as well. So I saw it in the jiu-jitsu community. Same thing happens in the boxing community. If you, you know, you ever watch some, bo- I, 
still very much a boxing fan. I watch boxing every week. I watch fights all the time. I watch training footage from um, just straight boxing gyms to try to find concepts and different training principles and different techniques that you know might be rusty and you need to see. But the same thing if you'll see an interview where uh, ask a boxing trainer or a boxing or about MMA, um, and you can tell that there's a level of ignorance that's real similar to a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners where they try to give a really simplistic answer that's just from their martial art like system and if um and if you're educated in multiple martial arts you look at it and you say oh okay they don't understand they don't understand what it feels like to like somebody hit a high crotch on you and send you like if they want they can launch in there and throw you so high that your feet touch the ceiling um if if they're a strong wrestler if you're a strong wrestler you've been wrestling a, a good amount of time and you do wrestling conditioning and you're doing deadlifts and uh, you know uh, explosive squats and you're doing these things you can send you can throw somebody uh, a tremendous rate um but so anyway Every martial arts like that. Uh, the same thing if a wrestler was thinking that they don't need to box or something. It's like you do not understand how fast people's hands, elite boxers, how fast their hands can be, and they could punch you, you know, six times on the chin before you could even land one punch. Um, there, there are some, there's some crazy levels, especially when you get to specialists. So this is kind of a, a thing on like there's specialists of all martial artists, uh, all martial arts, and they're cool to check out. That that quote, you know, the very beginning is you know a little bit shaky, but the second part of the quote superior martial artist is a true thing all martial arts have these these outliers um and and oftentimes the the outliers are the best um in their single martial arts so it's it's good to watch them as inspiration to try to stretch or try to emulate um and you'll pick up you know they're the ones on the edge of the technical um what radius that there is and they're kind of stretching it further and further and further when they stretch it and they do good techniques by studying them kind of like brings the whole um whichever martial art you're in, whether it's Muay Thai or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there will be techniques, uh, certain athletes that will do things, and the rest of the community goes, oh, it locks un unlocks the brain, and everybody starts doing it. Um, it's a really common thing with the stars, but... Um, yeah, so today who we're going to go over is uh, Hinaldo Jacare, um, Souza. Uh, uh, Jacare is probably, he's definitely one of my favorite MMA fighters. It's hard for me to even say favorite because I have so many favorites. Um, it's hard for me to say, you know, he is, he is most definitely... Um, you know, if I had to, if I had to pick one, it's it's so hard because I could go Genki Sudo, you know, the, like boxing, I like Bernard Hopkins, all these different things. I like people in all different martial arts. You know, you got Dan Gable, Tom Brands, all these different influences, all these really good people. But it's a good example of these superior martial artists um, and these different these different things. So from everything, you know, Buakau or Sanchai or you know, you got Kale Sanderson or Dan Gable or you you have Bernard. Hopkins. Um, there's so many people you go each martial arts, so that's one of the cool things if you do different martial arts that will keep you um, kind of fresh and, and motivated um, if you look at these different people. But Jacques Ray's one that now that the reason why I'm bringing him up too is he's past his prime now. He's 39, and uh, the, the style that he has is a really rough and tumble, really aggressive style, which makes him really exciting, really fun to watch. If Right now, even if you watch a Jacques Ray match, gi jiu-jitsu match, if you're doing jiu-jitsu, it will be much more exciting than than uh, 
a current Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu match. And it's not something like, hey, Jiu-Jitsu was better back in those days, things like this. Jacare style. They were still boring people back then as well. But Jacare style is a very aggressive, a very proactive style um, that lends itself to, to action and attacks. And, um, and, you know, it's not all of his action exciting things are not necessarily submissions. His submissions are very good. He, he submits people. But his guard passing is beautifully aggressive. His sweeps are beautifully aggressive. His takedowns are beautifully aggressive aggressive some of the transitions you can see when he does transitions to people that they cannot keep up mentally like fight iq wise it's it's he's a he's a he would be a you know again all these different people we're bringing up but jujitsu wise uh jacare is is one of the he's in the top three he's in the top three of all time and uh, I mean, Jacare, there were transitions. It was it's a, a perfect meld of athleticism, uh, strength, speed, agility, flexibility, spatial awareness, balance, um, aggressiveness, but at the same time having an ability to relax and uh, uh, keep certain things uh, loose and, and quick and limber, um, but also be able to attack uh, at almost all times or be looking for, even if he's, let's say he's getting taken down or somebody's trying to pass his guard, he, he's looking for a, a, a sweep that as you drive in, um, you know, the, the old adage, use someone's force against them. Um, you know, there's, you know, I would say Cobrinha is similar to this, um, but Cobrinha does it a completely different way. He does it from a guard, more of a guard perspective. Uh, as as a, Well, the last couple of years, Cobrinha actually started really dedicating to wrestling. So um, he won Abu Dhabi and, and beat essentially AJ Agazar, a uh, college wrestler. I can't remember if AJ was a D1 or D2, but he's a college wrestler and wrestled, you know, uh, uh, we could say 15 years more than Cobrinha, but Cobrinha, uh, focused on, focused on wrestling and, uh, and, uh, actually out wrestled, um, AJ, but anyway, so we'll do another one on Cabrini another time. But Jacare, um, yeah, similar. He, he's his main background combination of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo. Um, he's a two time Abu Dhabi champion winner. Um, I mean, and also the thing you gotta understand with Jacare is that he has absolutely lost matches. Um, the most of the great Stulu's matches in, in Jiu Jitsu, the the perp, the reason why is you know wrestling. You you always have Kel Sanderson. You got Dan Gable, and still you know you're you can still ta- get some losses from the greats in wrestling um the difference is there's no absolute weight class in wrestling um or boxing um i'm not that familiar with muay thai so i don't i'm uh the actual full culture and background i don't know if um it's a common thing for muay thai people to take take on fights with somebody 75 or 100 pounds heavier in brazilian jiu-jitsu that's a common thing you can find matches of jacques ray being outweighed by 100 pounds um, and, and defeating his opponents. It's, that's one of the unique, cool things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, uh, is the absolute division. So, but when you do the absolute division, you're going to run into somebody else that's also a superior martial artist, but they just have 30 more pounds of muscle. Um, you know, they're just as dedicated as that person. They have a crazy high fight IQ, all, all of these um, similar things, good strategy, everything, um, but they have 30 pounds more muscle. That's going to happen as well. Um, but, and, you know, and lots of times it's who performs best that day as well. You could both, you know, Jacques Reyes beat Hodger Gracie, Hodger Gracie's beat him. Hodger's significantly, uh, a larger, he's a, uh, 
significant uh, body mass size larger than Jacare. Um, I, I don't. I think Hodger started training earlier than Jacare too. Um, the the information I found because Jacare, you know, there's when I first started training, um, Wikipedia wasn't around, YouTube actually wasn't around. So how you would find out people's stories is you you'd find their book and you read their book and kind of scour the internet um, trying to find information or different instructors or you like I'd go to Brazil and I would get these stories almost like legend like past. Um, verbally that I've never been able to find online and things like this by just living in Brazil and going around and, and seeing um, different things and different uh, training with different people. Um, you get all these different things. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, things to put together. But from the, the information I could find that he, he didn't start training till he was 17. So that's a, that's a pretty big thing. Most of the people that achieve that 10,000 hour, um, that 10,000 hours, you know, they start at a decently young age. 10, 5, 10, 12, um, 14, something like that. Um, 17 is not super late to start in life, anything like that. It's just just imagine uh, American football if you had somebody that didn't start playing football until they were 17. And then if they um, then became um, Tom Brady, that would be, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, again, I should check up on Tom Brady's. I should have done research to exactly see when Tom Brady started playing football. Um, but it's still, it's still a feat to, to achieve so much with starting at that age. So if you, um, you know, if you're training, you have a child that started training at five years old or eight years old or 12 years old. Um, yeah, they're going to have, they're going to have a huge, uh, head start anyway. But this, this is more of a testament just to Jacques Ray is, um, how much, how good he could get and the amount of time, the amount of years. And now what it comes down to is he put a tremendous amount of time into training, a crazy amount of hours. Um, there's a, there's an old, um, I say old, but it's really not that old. Um, it's from like 2004, 2005, something like that. But it's a, 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 a it's a kind of a little mini documentary that was called Art Suave. Art Suave would follow Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioners and um, and it would it showed their training and things like this. And there's a, there's one with Jacques Ray and it's a cool one to watch because you get to see like when he's living in Brazil, like he's winning all these big tournaments and he, he's making good money, but he's still um, I don't know exactly what he's doing his money, whether he was just spending it on train uh, traveling or whether he was giving it to his parents. Um, I I don't know exactly. A lot of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu stars grew up in favelas and favelas are you know any part of the united states that you think is really really bad economically um the the favelas in brazil from what i've seen being in them and then talking to people that live in favelas or or are from brazil all these different interviews and stuff that i've had with people favelas are whatever the united states has just multiply it times 10 when you when you think about it's not just that you can't afford electricity or water in a favela it's that the government um, the the Brazilian government um, possibly does not have uh, you don't even have access you can't get a water bill if you choose to it's like there is no sewer to your house because um, that's a I mean it's a really rich culture on on how that happened but electricity it's just like you can't you can't go to a to an area and say hey I want to sign up for electricity it's like no no it's not just doesn't happen so um anyway there's a lot of jujitsu stars that come from that um a lot of you know ted today is a famous one really really famous one he's got a tragic story too we'll do a ted today one because he's a great um but uh anyway yeah um so you know jacare he, he might have been giving that money to family or something like that helping but still with the the, the art suave um mini documentary walks and it shows you that he lives he, he shows you his bed he's like he says i ah, come into my house i want to show you my bed his bed's just the mats 
He lived in the gym. I don't know exactly how long he lived in the gym. He lived in the gym, though. Lived in the gym, trained all the time, nonstop. Um, uh, again, one of these super, super focused, super driven in- individuals. And you, you'll say, how could they be so driven? It's really interesting. Um, and then when you watch them on the mats or you watch them in competition, what they can create and what they can do uh, is is just amazing and looks like art and the, the attacks are so you know so aggressive and so um, so well done and, and things in the moment counters and things like that um, that that it's it's pretty cool to see um, what all that hard work produces um, so some of the just some of the things to break down Jacques Ray um, again when I first started training my weight class did not exist in MMA I probably would have focused on MMA more had I when I if I'd started training right now in this climate um, but I start when I started I was, you know, going to fight at 135, so it was impossible. Um, at that time, there wasn't even, like, really a lightweight division, 155. It was 170 and up. So the only way for me at 135 to get up to once people fighting at 170 were walking around 185, 180, something like that. Um, I, you know, back then, back in the day, steroid usage was not that uncommon. Um, I think probably every MMA gym at least had a couple people that were doing steroids. Um, and it just, it was... You know, it was even just casual people that were just fighting on the amateur circuit were doing steroids. It was just a little common thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I was offered steroids early in my career. Um, but I would like to say that when I was young, that I was, that I was so smart and I turned them down. It was primarily just looking at the actual side effects and things like that and understanding what, what it would cause. And, um, you know, I had someone that tried to get me to do steroids, um, but once once it was an easy decision once you heard that hey once you get off of steroids um you know your your endocrine system crashes and um much of what you gain you lose so to me that was a that was a simple one um i mean obviously that when you're competing in a sport morally it's wrong it's illegal ethically it's wrong all these different things um that's that stuff you know it's a given but but still, that doesn't stop people. People still do uh, these performance-enhancing drugs, things like that. And at that time, in that landscape, everybody did it. It was not everybody. Like I said, casual amateur people would do it. Um, a lot of the pros did. And in Brazil, it was much more relaxed, too. You could um, When I went in Brazil... There was people that tell me, they say, yeah, you just go to the pharmacy and you can just pick up testosterone. And it was really weird that, that you could casually buy testosterone, you know, over the counter. Um, I think, I think it, it changed. I think it did change the prescription, but it's still more lax in the U.S. And the U.S. has gotten more lax with TRT. Um, but uh, you could, you know, you could go over the counter at one point and buy steroids um, just over the counter. But uh, supplements like protein and things like that in Brazil were extremely overpriced. Like they were triple the price they are in the United States. I used to make jokes saying that like y'all have the the steroids that you get are really cheap and the supplements that, that you get um, are very expensive. Um, it was kind of a funny little inverse on that. But um, yeah, got off got off on a little rant there with uh, performance enhancing drugs. But we'll bring it back. So some of some of Jacques Ray's things um, that he actually did, uh, he, you know, he never wrestled. He started at a late age. Um, he was a two time Abu Dhabi champion. He was an eight time world champion in jiu jitsu. And you know, there are people that you know, Hodge Gracie, Cabrinha, there's people with uh, Rafael Mendez. There's there's people with a ton of world championships that have accrued. Um, there's people with more world championships than Jacques Ray. But the thing is, I think that if Jacques Ray would have stayed stayed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he could have been a 15-time world champion or a 20-time world champion. Um, something, something silly, but he decided to transition in MMA. Um, 
And he started to change change his focus, um, but yeah, he could have probably had way more than that. Um, these are these are different interview things that I've that I've heard. You know um, that uh, when he started training Extreme Couture, uh, Randy Couture's gym, that he was taking down you know college wrestlers. Uh, he was taking down wrestlers that had spent their whole life working on on takedowns, and he could take them down. Um, this is somebody who had no wrestling background, just from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo combined, and training a ton. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's a crazy feat. It's a crazy feat to have, you know, no type of wrestling. Um, you got, you got a Leo Vieira was like that too. Could take down college wrestlers who never wrestled before. George St. Pierre. Things happen, you know, these, these high level athletes, but that was, that was one of the things. Jacques Ray would also, um, I think there's an interview with Jared Bunch. Jared Bunch, I think he played for the New York Giants, I think, I think, I think he was a linebacker, I think. Um, but he was, he was, uh, Jared Bunch was competing in IBJJF. Um, he had retired from the NFL and he was competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments. And he was he was a beast. He was a beast of a guy. But there was an interview with him talking about Jacques Ray, um, just just tearing through him. You know, tearing through him. Uh, t- he's talking about how much of a freak he is. Um, uh, um, yeah, Jacques. I mean, Jacques Ray is one of his MMA fights. Took down a college wrestler, no issue. Um, all the the reason why this is good is because he never actually wrestled. That's the that's the interesting thing about it. Um, it, it one of his MMA fights in Dream, the college wrestler. I don't know his full credentials, so you know you don't want to harp on that too much. But the one that really sets is uh is Matt Lindland. Uh, Matt Lindland is a beast. If you don't know who Matt Lindland is, he is more of an old school guy as well. A great. Uh, a great wrestler who's a silver medalist in the Olympics. Um, you got to think about how hard it is to make an Olympic team, and then how hard it is to to win gold is crazy hard, crazy crazy hard. To win silver is still crazy crazy hard. It is a very small percentage of the population that will ever achieve um, even being on an Olympic team. Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of work. Uh, Jacques Ray took this guy down. Jacques Ray never wrestled. This is this is an important thing. Takes him down and submits him twice. Submits him. Uh, Matt Lillen's a crazy hard guy to uh, submit. Um, in, in interviews, people have said Matt Lillen's is crazy strong. He doesn't look his body when you look at him doesn't look like he's that strong, but he can, he is insanely strong. Um, combined with great technical wrestling, you know, Chell Sonnen on his Instagram has been posting videos of old training footage now, and it shows when Evan Tanner was the UFC champion. He had, he posted footage of Matt Lindland there on the same team. They trained in the gym, and Matt Lindland was quiet. He'd never put an interview out, but Matt Lindland, uh, the footage shows him just kind of, you know, ragdolling, kind of having, you know, really controlling Evan Tanner. Evan Tanner was the UFC champion, and Chael in the footage says that, you know, everybody knew who was really the best. Um, but Matt Lindland was this cool DI. But Jacques Ray submitted him twice, um, and straight grappling rules, and then an MMA. Um, that's, um, again, two, two really big ones. Um, probably the, with all the credentials, all these things, I'm just touching on Matt Lindland. Um, and then we're going to go into a really big, one of the, probably the coolest things when you watch this highlight that you're going to see, um, and you have to understand the context of it is his match against Hodger Gracie. Where he lets his arm get broken, um, but before we get to that, we'll go to score his style. So Jacques Ray, the reason why he's interesting is he had a, or he's so easy to watch is he has a very aggressive style. He's very uh, uh, attack oriented. Um, it, it helped him transition to MMA as well, and uh, I think it's a really uh, highly effective style of jujitsu. Now it does require a certain level of physical. You have to you have to have. Um, 
your body up to a certain uh, physical ability level. So you might need to incorporate um, running when you're not training, or you might need to incorporate pull-ups or push-ups or dips or squats or rate training regimen or um, extra cardio work, things like this. Um, but you can actually... The thing about watching Jacques Ray, you'll see him, you know, normal person might say, I can't do that. Like, look at him, how athletic. It's not an innate ability that he's just given. It's it's all from work. And, you know, at any age, you could you could adopt, you know, just a little bit more lifting, um, just a little bit more running. In, in you, like I said, at any age, you can see people at any age doing uh, great physical feats. You just have to know that's possible, and then you, when you start working on these things, your your body as a car starts running better, and you can start doing more of this, uh, um, more of this style of jujitsu. Um, so you know, don't try to go right off the bat and do it. Just know that you're gonna have to build yourself up. But when you do, this is a this is a, a cool, a fun version of jujitsu that's really fun to watch, and it's it's highly effective for self defense as well. If somebody's um, going to going to attack you, if you're worried about getting attacked in a parking lot, walking to your car, or getting mugged, or getting robbed. There's somebody breaking into your house. Somebody kicks your front door, um, front door down. You know there are multiple options, but we're we're saying you're you're laying down on your bed or your couch. Someone kicks your front door down, um, and and your options, uh, martial arts wise, and hand hand to hand fighting, or not even hand to hand, but hand to weapon fighting. If you you know if you can't get to a weapon at the moment because somebody's right on top of you, um, that that aggressive jiu-jitsu style um, it is very effective um, in, in in physical altercations, but. Um, uh, his, his style um, was paired with he could he could do takedowns he could do judo style takedowns he could do wrestling style takedowns very good at ankle picks very good at drop sanagis really good at hip tosses foot sweeps inside trips um, his takedown style was not just a um, it was not like a tight hold you it was a, a fluid it was a movement it, it was combination of speed flexibility uh, balance um, uh, quickness uh, but at the same time well conditioned um, on the flip side of that he wasn't just bound by having to do takedowns he could also he's equally just as good at pulling guard and submitting you shock is a master at jumping or pulling guard and throwing a rapid uh, attack of submissions at his opponents and he would oftentimes get submissions very quickly when he pulls guard if shock ray pulls guard on you you need to really watch your arms and your neck and your shoulders and your legs um, he's very aggressive when he pulls guard which I think is a good strategy, um, and then you you know if it misses, then you go back to your normal jujitsu. You go back to your normal guard, and you, you get back to work like normal, and you pick your shots just like just like a boxer doesn't nonstop throw punches. You pick your shots. You do the same thing in jujitsu with your guard if you're on your back. Um, but there are certain pockets good good opportunities to attack. Um, his ability to strategize too. Oftentimes, people will see an athlete that is very athletic, is very fast, strong, all these different things, new things, and they will discount their uh, their IQ, their their fight IQ, uh, sport IQ. Uh, Jacques Ray, he had no question, um, great ability to to adjust in the middle of a match or in the moment if he's getting taken down or if he's getting swept to counter you know he, he gets bridged over and he lands he lands uh triangle chokes so oftentimes when a strong wrestler or a strong you know guy would would bridge him over um he, so again he not he's not completely in the driver's seat all the time that's that's the thing that's good about him it's not like he's just running through everybody think people do things to him that he doesn't want them to do 
but he has counterattacks. That's that's the cool thing, and that shows a um, uh, that shows a mental aptitude and um, and um, and a technical ability and ability to adjust in the moment and to to achieve a flow state that's um, in, important to notice. Because if you think that it's just because of physical ability, you'll miss out on the really important transitions and the things that he could make happen from the massive amounts of hours of drilling and training and doing conditioning and uh, strength training and and strategy. Um, now, Jacques Ray, uh, I don't know that much. He, I mean, he's trained with so many different people, so I'd have to be willing to bet that he's picked up strategy and and uh, different different tact- tactics and techniques from all different people. You'll do that if you train long enough. Um, but he's trained with a lot of people. But some of his strategy, I mean, Marcelo Garcia is another guy that would be in that top three, best of all time, I'd say. Marcelo Garcia is crazy, crazy, no joke. Um, you know, he beats guys way bigger than him all the time. And when and Jacare and uh, Marcelo and Abu Dhabi, one of the really cool strategy times where you get to see um, Jacare show something is Marcelo's a decent bit smaller than him. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there is a size advantage for Jacare in this one. But you would imagine, you know, the bigger person, Jacare, has good takedowns. Um, he's going to look for that top position. But the problem with Marcelo Garcia is Marcelo Garcia is, a, is a possibly the most dangerous from his guard, off his back. His butterfly guard, his X guard, his arm drags, his guillotines, his rhythmic chokes. It's like crazy, crazy, crazy um, if you let him get to his guard. Um, so a lot, a lot of larger people, larger competitors, black belt world champions would would try to insist on getting the top gain on Marcelo, and they they get arm dragged and they get rhythmic choked, or you know whatever this happens, or they get leg locked, you know, um, all these different things. Shakari said, nope, not going to do that. I'm a bigger guy, I'm a stronger guy. But I'm a pull guard. I'm a jump guard. Jumps guard on Marcelo Garcia, and um, and I believe he locks a body triangle and he goes to a Kimura. It's an ingenious and simple strategy. It's so smart. If if you're a larger person and you can get to guard, you can he can avoid Marcelo Garcia's strength, not letting Marcelo get to his guard. Use Butterfly's X guard on him and get and Mar- that's where Marcelo's genius happens because as Marcelo's sweeping you, that's when he gets your back. And the second he gets you back, your back, he's already attacking with a uh, rear naked choke. He doesn't get the position and wait. Marcelo gets your back, and as he's getting your back, there's a choke being set at the exact same time. Um, that's how he he puts you know Vitor Shalin Hibero to sleep um, so quickly. You know, Mike Van Arsdale, who was a great wrestler, is way bigger than Marcelo. But Jacare looked at that. He learned from other people's mistakes. He came up with a good strategy, or his trainers or his coach, they came together with a good strategy, and he implemented the strategy perfectly. A Kimura is also a smart te- uh, technique to use from closed guard or a body triangle if you are the larger uh, uh, person. Uh, Kimura is from the guard on bottom. If you are strong, have a strong upper body, um, there is a big advantage. If you have a weaker upper body than your opponent on top of you, Kimuras are difficult to do, but they're good to set up on Laplatas or arm bars or triangles even, so you still should use them. But that's a that's a great strategy um, he used. Matt Lindlin also in Abu Dhabi. I believe he actually jumps a uh, flying triangle choke on Matt Lindlin. Um, from that, the, the flying triangle choke is too uh, too shallow on the tricep and the shoulders. So he Matt Lindley kind of shrugs the, it off. So Jacare jumps guard, uh, flying triangle, shrugs it, shrugs it off. As he notices that it's being shrugged off, he does a back roll to a low single or a low double leg, um, and ends up and ends up taking down Olympic silver medalist um, in a really abstract, interesting uh, takedown sequence. Um, it wouldn't make sense for Jacques Ray to go out there and wrestle like a normal wrestler against Matt Lindland. Why would he do that? If he goes and does that, Matt Lindland's done that against the 
best wrestlers in the world, the best Americans, you know, the best um, Iranians, the best Russians, um, everybody, the best Japanese, the best Korean, uh, the the Olympics. Why would you try to wrestle the exact same way? Um, Jacques Ray doesn't do that. He uses a, a different strategy. Um, again, this is Fight IQ. This is having uh, the, fl- the fluid ability to come up with strategies and ways to beat your opponent um, in ways that they don't expect. And you use your your tools that you that you have um, to to combine in in an interesting way to uh, overcome uh, really high skill level people. But so you you have to when you look at the highlights, understand that there is if you have that natural um, assumption of or proclivity to just say, hey, look, physical specimen, uh, monster athletic. That's definitely true. It's no joke. If you you know in his prime, if you would have seen Jacques Ray in person, you'd have been like, wow, are you seeing him run or train or something like that? Physically, you know, definitely like a Ferrari or, you know, whatever. Um, Ferrari in his prime. Um, but also the the ability, the I guess you could say the technology that like high-end sports cars have as well, like the commuters in them. Um, he was like that too. His computer was really, really sharp. It was no joke. Um uh, yeah, so now we'll get to maybe one of his one of his coolest things. And I used to watch I used to watch this highlight. If you just look up Hanado Jacques Ray highlight, it's gonna be a highlight from maybe two thousand five, two thousand six. So highlight, it's gonna be grainy and sketchy compared to new stuff. Um, it has an uh, interesting um, background highlight to it. it. Has a good upbeat. Um, I believe I believe it's from uh, I believe it's. Uh, Japanese um, style of music. I think the beginning of it. I could be mistaken on that, but the beginning is primarily Gi highlights the Jacare. The second part is primarily No Gi highlights the Jacare. But it's just his grappling stuff. So his primary, his his thing that he is the best in. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. It's not going to be boring if you watch it. It's not like jujitsu matches where you watch they don't do any. Or I say they don't do anything. No points are scored for seven minutes. Not not happening in a Jacare match. Um, you know, whether he wins or loses, he's going, he's attacking, he's fighting. Um, so when you watch the highlight, you know, it's going to be grainy. When it first came out on YouTube, I can remember being able to see it clearly, but it's funny how as resolutions get better, I rewatch it today and it's, it's actually, you might even be like, which one is Jacques Array? Just know that when you watch the highlight, you'll have to, it'd be good for you to watch it multiple times. He's the guy doing all of the techniques, the flying triangles, the arm bars, the knee bars, the throws, the drop side noggies, everything he's doing. That's all, that's all. Jacques Ray and the highlight he's doing it against all the best every person he's doing that against is a college wrestler or world champion or Olympian or a world champion jiu-jitsu or a national champion jiu-jitsu or a world champion in sambo or all these different things um so just know that when he's doing it, he's not doing it against uh scrubs or low-level people it's it's some of the coolest transitions against also the best people and um and also some of those people that don't have exciting styles like him some people that are slower paced so it's even harder to have a big highlight attack on somebody who likes a slower um not action oriented uh uh fight so um but one of the biggest one of the biggest points that that is a cool thing on Jacare that would highlight his career that adds kind of to the lore the legend of Jacare is that there's a match where and Mike, my, my coach Robert Drysdale, 
told me this story when I moved to Brazil and I lived with him. He told me the story and his mother actually like recounted the story too and told me. And it was really cool to hear them tell the story uh, back then when they said it and his mom or whatever. But they told me about the, the match with Jacare and uh, Hodger Gracie back then. Um, the World Championships was held in uh, Brazil and Rio. Now the, uh, now the World Championships are held in Long Beach, California. Um, but when they were in Brazil, it's really cool because it was kind of like a soccer match. Uh, people would bring horns and homemade drums and you know they'd be beaten and stuff like that and do chants and it's just like a soccer it's like a soccer game really cool but robert's mom i remember her telling me about um as she pulled up to the tournament or something and people were just flooding running from the street they were running from the street to go watch this match and they were pouring in and the whole arena was completely full and uh you know people were trying to squeeze in squeeze in um as if it's you know something like a, a rock show or something you know whatever's but um but it was interesting to hear their story uh of them remembering people running from the street and stuff like that and i've heard it from another person i trained with in brazil too that was there but the match uh Jacques Ray versus Hodger Gracie and on this highlight when you look it up uh, you're gonna find it in the middle part and they have a little cut scene um I think from you know some type of movie that involves samurai because I, I think it says uh, samurai even with his head um cut off should still be able to perform one action with certainty I think that's what the quote is when it happens but when that quote happens you'll see Hodge Gracie apply an arm bar uh, in the world championships applies an arm bar to Jacques Ray Jacques Ray's up on points he, he's winning the match he gets caught in a submission if you're not familiar with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, rules or you haven't competed in a tournament yet doesn't matter you can be winning uh, 2,000 points to zero or realistically you could be winning 32 to to four if you get a submission doesn't matter you know if you if you tap or you submit you say okay i lost i lost because you would have broke my arm and you would have kept fighting me at that point and i'd be a significant disadvantage because you broke my arm or you put me to sleep you could do a lot of damage to me so the submission is, is always the kill so that's what you're looking for the submission is always the kill especially if you're down on points it's it's the kill um, and uh, Jacare's up on points, so Hodger throws armbar. Hodger has great armbar, and it Jacare is stuck in it. It's, he's not. He's not getting out. Like his his defense not working. It's not good enough. Hodger Gracie is a freak athlete, also freak technician as well. Um, Hodger armbars, and just and um and Jacare's up on points. He says, you know what? I'll, I'll today you get to have my arm, dude. Like I'm not losing. Um, he, he just gives his arm. He lets his arm uh, be dislocated or broken. Uh, so he lets his arm get broken. As he lets his arm get broken, it then becomes limp. And uh, and you see the way that Jacques Ray escapes the arm, but doesn't truly escape the arm bar. But at, when it becomes limp, he then is able to pull his arm out. And you can see his arm swing down by his knee or down by his ankle as it's dislocated or it's broken at the time. And it, it looks as if he grabs, he grabs his belt or he grabs his pants. Um, and with one arm up, he basically grip fights and keeps a good stable base and um, for the for the remainder of the match and uh, survives with a broken arm to win the world championships and even in that moment with a broken arm he just kind of tucks his belt his his arm in his belt and with his other free arm he's like pumping his fist chanting chanting to like the fans in the crowd um that's a pretty interesting thing like think of that that is you know like just think of this when you think about basketball uh, players who barely get nudged and they fall down and they talk about how they got fouled or how it was so bad. Um, just just think about that. Or the NFL, you think about a punter or a quarterback that are complaining because a player hits them or something like that. Um, these are mainstream sports where people look and it's like, oh, it's kind of silly, whatever type thing. 
just think of this. This guy, Jacques Ray, lets his arm be broken. Uh, how many basketball players would let their arm be broken to win the, the championship? Uh, they they don't get pushed. They don't allow themselves to get. I mean, if, I know there's incentive in it because there's fouls and there's penalties, so there is strategy to it. But still, it's just an interesting uh, contrast between. Um, uh, I mean, dude, Chakra is just a beast. Not a lot of people will let stuff break. You know, and you're smart too if you don't let stuff break. I'm not telling my students let let your arms break anything like that. It's just a re- it's a pretty cool thing to see it when it happens. I've only had one match in my life ever where I got hill hooked. And, and I was so pumped up, and I when the, my opponent got the heel hook on me, I actually went through my mind from watching these Jacques Ray videos. I said uh, to myself, well, today I'm just going to see what a torn knee, I'm going to realize what a torn knee feels like because I'm not tapping. Um, I was up on points as well. So, But going back, talking to my younger self, I'm glad that I escaped the heel hook, and it, his heel hook was, uh, didn't work. I escaped it. Because you don't need your, you don't need stuff to get torn. That's not a smart thing to do. Again, it's just cool when you see it um you know not in a local tournament definitely not look you you're going to world championships it's the finals or it's abu dhabi and you know you're in a match or a or a mma fight or something like you know vitor um belfort hyper extends john jones arm of course yeah ufc championship yeah local tournament anaga something like that or even like new york open or you know something like below a national world title yeah no do not get injured tap um even in that still probably smart to tap but Jacques Ray's just a beast just a cool dude uh lets his arm get broken still wins that um let's see um now so you you want to look up if you really want to get some good footage on Jacques Ray with all this stuff I'm talking about and I know this is a long brand on him uh if you really want to see the cool stuff on Jacques Ray you got to look up his early MMA career and his jiu-jitsu career um he fights in the UFC now um he's on a decline the the reason why you want to go look to really see um his like how his mastery level in his prime um he put a whole lot of training starting at the age that he did he put a whole lot of miles on really really in a short amount of time so to learn from his career is you would maybe not let your arm get broken so that you could have a different career you know whatever you if you're going at high RPMs, things are going to happen, um, and in all things. But it was a short amount of time. But really, his prime was in his jiu-jitsu career and his early MMA career. Um, now, the, the the thing about it is that he started uh, started his UFC run after he had already had multiple careers. He had a full jiu-jitsu career, and then uh, he fought in Dream. Um, then he fought in in uh, Strike Force. So he climbed the ladder multiple times on multiple organizations um, in in difficult ways. He also Jiu-Jitsu and Abu Dhabi are separate things. So there was a lot of Jiu-Jitsu people that couldn't win in Abu Dhabi. He was doing both um, at the time. In that time period, they were kind of separate things because they, they have different rule sets, different styles. you got to train for them differently. So, um, you know, you only have so many miles in your prime. Uh, so now, you know, I think he's 39. His last couple fights, um, you can tell that, um, you know, whether it's injuries or age is starting to catch up or maybe just family responsibilities or drive or things like this, um, it's a shame to see it. And then also that he started striking at a pretty late age. Um, if he had started striking at a young age, the way that he could learn, he could pick up things so fast. Um, he probably would have became, he could have very well became a, a, an elite striker if he would have picked up um, striking, you know, as opposed to jujitsu or even just a mixture. He would have been a higher level. Um, but he started, he started at a late age, you know, but that happens. But again, you, you have to understand in the modern context that MMA has had huge leaps and bounds. You know, the UFC in 1993, you know, 
if you don't understand what it felt like or what it was like before the Ultimate Fighter, before that Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin, MMA was way different. Um, it was way different. MMA was a small, it was a small thing. It wasn't big. The UFC's big now. Everybody sees they got a Reebok deal. They're on Fox. Now they sign with ESPN. You know, so if you're, if you're just now a modern MMA fan, you don't really understand. It used to be a different MMA was a different thing so um so people would put more of their career into jiu-jitsu and people still do it with wrestling they put a huge amount of their miles into wrestling um and you know and that's that's one strategy um you just want to make sure that if you're going to do something like that you if you want to be an MMA fighter um if you're putting a whole lot of miles a whole bunch of stuff into boxing pick up jiu-jitsu and wrestling before you before before don't wait too long. Same thing if you're doing wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Uh, start working on your striking. Don't wait too long because um, it's going to take – it takes years no matter what. It takes it takes a certain amount of years to really acquire uh, the proper level. Um yeah, yeah, you know, but like all like all people, uh, it's pat, you know, people get past their prime. Jacques Ray, where he is now, would be, you know, Dan Gable. I could relate him to Dan Gable, amazing wrestler, crazy, crazy, you know, America's like he is again a legend for American wrestlers. Um, but if Dan Gable would have, um, you know, perhaps gone to MMA, uh, and then later, you know, close to forty years old, things like this, um. And also didn't work on striking at, at like a young enough age. Didn't adopt striking. Um, you could have saw a similar thing. Uh, so um, so yeah. Any uh, just just little thoughts. Uh, things about Jacare. The highlight you want to look up Jacare highlight. All the Jacare highlight. Um, it's gonna yeah. It's gonna it's gonna look grainy. But look at the good stuff. You're gonna see some good transitions and. Um, and uh, watching the greats, watching the greats, watching their highlights, um, even when you can't do their techniques yet, watching it, it's going to be inspiration. It's like watching, uh, you know, you go, you want to go see, if you go see an artist, a musician, you go listen to a really good musician. You A painting, you look at, you know, really good painters, things like that. It's okay, even if you just started out painting, now, uh, painting you still need inspiration, so look to the greats. Same thing, if you're doing jiu-jitsu, look to the greats, get inspiration, um, and see what's humanly possible, and, and then you will naturally start uh, going that way. So anyway, just a rant, Talk out, uh, check out Jacques Array if you're into jiu-jitsu, um, if, uh, if you're going to be an MMA fighter and you, and like I said, jiu-jitsu, you want it to be part of your, your arsenal, you, you want, you need for it to be part of your arsenal, um, even if it's not your particular specialty, um, but yeah, check it out, check out the greats, do, you do this with, with boxers, do this with wrestlers, do this with judokas, do this with uh, Muay Thai fighters do this with Sambo fighters. You um, anyway, it'll keep you inspired and it will help you technically. So just a rant. Um, gonna have more podcasts coming out. Uh, I'll do a couple more. Apologize, the last couple ones have been um, last couple one. The last couple ones have been a little bit more on like uh, not not clear technical things. But I'm gonna do a couple uh, coming up that are gonna be clear technical things. Um, to help out because we got a tournament coming up, things that I notice when I referee and uh, things that we need to work on. So, um, yep, stay tuned, check it out. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you got any questions or if you got a podcast suggestion that you'd like, I'd really like for you uh, write the Instagram page Phoenix Hermitage on Instagram. Um, that's the best thing. If you would write uh, the gym a message uh, on a request of a podcast you'd like, um, do that. That'd be sweet. That'd probably be a fun, cool idea. So I uh, hope you guys have a good weekend and uh, see you in the gym.